This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, stop what you're doing and press that subscribe button. This is episode number 57, and in this episode, I sit down with Manny Coelho of Lithology Brewing Company in Farmingdale, New York. Manny tells us about how a little mistake in brewing actually turned out to be a happy accident, how pumping the brakes every once in a while is not such a bad idea, and he talks about how him and his co-founders came up with the name for Lithology Brewing Company. It's actually quite scientific, but uh, I don't understand it at all. Maybe you might. You know, some people actually consider me a bit of a scientist. Once upon a time ago, when I had hair on my head, I actually mixed shampoo and, wait for it, conditioner together. And it made my hair not only silky, smooth, but cleaned it. I turn around a couple days later, and I see it in the store. I'm not saying I came up with it, but I'm not saying I didn't come up with it either. What I am saying is I'm quite a genius and I'm owed a lot of money from the shampoo people. But enough about my hair and how I wish I still had it. Let's talk about the episode at hand that you're about to listen to, because it's way more interesting than my shampoo expertise. So sit back, crack open a beer, and enjoy this podcast. Manny Coelho grew up in Mineola. He attended college for film, but after he finished college, his grandfather asked Manny if he'd like to take on some side work as an electrician's assistant for a short while. That short while turned into 18 years, and during that time, Manny wound up becoming a co-owner of an electrical company. In 2011, Manny brought his good friend Lee Kaplan, a geologist by profession, a home brewing kit as a present after the two had taken an interest in craft beer. They started brewing together. Once a month at first, but before they knew it, their hoppy had quickly become an obsession, and they began brewing close to twice a week. They invited Kevin Kane, also a geologist, to help him out. Soon enough, the brew days that started as a hobby began to get more scientific and precise. The group started to see how serious things were getting and realized that this was much bigger than just making beers for their inner circle. They devised a business plan and ventured out, finding capital to form Lithology Brewing Company in 2015. They officially opened their doors to the public in Farmingdale in 2016. And Manny Coelho's here with me today. Manny, how's it going? What's going on, man? Thanks for inviting me. Ain't no problem. So uh, how did you guys go about coming up with the name for your brewery? So lithology is a geology term, and two of my partners are uh, geologists. So when uh, we started the company, I got called one by uh, Lee, my best friend, and he uh, explained to me what lithology meant. Uh, so it's kind of like three different things going on with that name. So lithology is um, the study of the general characteristics of rocks and the layers of it. Um, if you think about New York water, it gets, uh, like, especially from Long Island, we get our water from the aquifers, the lowest le- uh, lowest layer called Magathy. Long Island itself is two glaciers that crashed into each other and formed Long Island, making the layers of Long Island where the water filters through, giving us great New York water, which gives us great New York pizza, bagels, and, of course, beer, because that's one of the main ingredients. So right. there's that. And then the LI for being a Long Island brewery, uh, so in some of our logos, the LI falls on the long, um, the New York State. So LI for Long Island and just playing homage to uh, one of the biggest ingredients uh, that wa- that beer is made from. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, now that my brain hurts from trying to comp- <laughs> comprehend all that, uh, what, was, what was that aha moment for you when you, you and your partners decided this is the time to open a brewery? Um, I mean, 
I guess there's a couple of times when we would brew and let's say we're home brewing and then the next day I get called from my friend and he's like, well, we messed that up. We, we weren't paying attention. The numbers aren't right. Let's brew it again. Uh, so it's no longer a hobby at that point. It became like an obsession job. Right. So we were just dialing in all the time and those two guys are scientists. So everything was written down, all numbers and um, everything had to be on point. And, uh, you know, Kevin and Lee had enough drinks to, to say, hey, why don't we, we're pretty good at this. Why don't we uh, enter some competitions and then also, you know, start a brewery and see where we can go with this. Very cool. And during that process from opening your brewery from the start to the point where you actually open the doors to the public, what would you say was the most challenging part for you? Wow. So when we first started, it was just trying to find a location. Um, you know, to get a license, you need a brick and mortar. Uh, so we were going around seeing what the investments were going to be and all that stuff. And we actually ran into um, somebody who had a co-op uh, where you would you would go in the back and just brew. And sh- it's a shared space where you would brew in a kitchen and um, make beer uh, to be able to sell wholesale. So that actually helped us out on getting a, a New York farm brewing license where we were able to do that. Meanwhile, still looking to see like where we could open up. So while we were brewing and selling out of, you know, selling uh, wholesale like kegs to bars, so we didn't have a tasting room. We were looking at all these different places. We checked out Baldwin. Then it was like, oh, well, it's going to cost you $50,000 for the sewers to be updated and all that stuff. And then meanwhile, so it was eight months later, the guy who owned the place, it was called a taste in Long Island. He wanted to retire. So if he had retired, all the people that were co-op brewing there would have lost their license because you need a host to have your license. Right. Okay. Uh, so we, um, it took us like three hours to make the decision and said, hey, um, let's figure out how to do this, buy his equipment, talk to the landlord, see if we could sign a lease and take over the space. And we become the host brewer and we have some tenants uh, under us. And then eventually as we grow, we'll, you know, they'll leave and hopefully they'll start their own places and we will get more fermenters um, that we need as we're, we keep growing. So it was kind of like a weird serendipitous thing that happened uh, because like we were really gunning for that brewer, that spot in Baldwin. But then like it takes a lot of investment when things aren't set up right away. But like the Taste of Long Island spot, all the sewer and everything was already set up. All the licenses were made. Right. The permits were done. So um, we said, all right, let's do it. So we took it over and redid what we had to do. I think one of the other challenges is that we didn't realize that he wasn't set up as a tasting room. He was just set up as um, a to-go. So you could fill crawlers, but nobody could enjoy a pint. Gotcha. So we then had to go to the village and sit down, have a whole town hall meeting explaining what what we were planning on doing, change up the whole place, add a bathroom, like so a lot of construction went into it even though we had thought like oh everything's fine we're just taking it right over no it wasn't the case so we had to actually um apply for a ta- you know a, a permit to be able to have people come in and enjoy pints and flights instead of just like a little sip and then crawlers only like that's not what we had thought that we were able to do so we had to then pick up that license so is as much as we were like oh okay we have a space that has all the other permits uh, taken care of it's like uh oh 
now there's something else we got to take care of. So we quickly, uh, with my construction background, we started making a bathroom, redoing the tasting room, making it more of a tasting room look and splitting the brewery up slash tasting room area up. So that's kind of how we had to go about it to, to be able to open up to the public, to have them be able to sit down and enjoy pints and flights. And how did you guys go about finding the capital to fund that? So when we first um, became a brewer, we actually did a Kickstarter. We came up with the capital that way. Uh, some of it was that way to raise money to get kegs and a keg washer and a van and just to got, get us kind of started. And then our personal, you know, um, partners, the, the four partners had to put in some money to keep it going. Uh, so everything was all uh, based on on us coming up with the capital. We didn't really want to uh, involve investors just yet. Uh, we were trying to do it, you know, keep doing it ourselves until you know we really had to go big and asking for investors. Uh, but the the Kickstarter definitely helped us, um, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, get started. Right. You have you and three other owners. How do you feel that it works better for you having three owners, well, four owners rather, than just being the sole owner? Well, I think it, it it's that every owner has a, a role and you they can help out um, in different locations. Like I've, I've owned my own company. Uh, I was an electrical contractor for 18 years. Um, owning a company itself is, is just putting out fires, right? Uh, right. You're just constantly something's coming up it's just like you know you got to do this or this happened or that happened um so having four heads to help out um definitely is huge uh there's sometimes that could be frustrating as in like trying to everyone um, be on the same page but we all pretty much when we sat down to become this partnership uh we all knew what our you know what we wanted to do with the company uh, where we want to go with it and how fast or slow we want to go with uh, growing it. Everyone knows kind of like their ownership roles, uh, what they have to do, what they take care of, and what we all can help with, like each other. Like, oh, well, I do certain things here, and then I, I know who I have to or can ask to help out. And then like if someone's doing other roles like taking care of payroll and QuickBooks and all other stuff, and they need help, I can jump in or the other partners can jump in as well. So it does help out a lot. Gotcha. As far as uh, assigning everybody like kind of responsibilities, what's something you never thought you were going to have to deal with when owning a brewery? Uh, wow. You working the bar shift. <laughs> so it's fun at first. And then it becomes like you're doing everything. Uh, as owners, We at first we were like, oh, okay, we got a brew. Uh, all right. So who's who's doing this weekend's bar you know who's doing next weekend's and then we end up having to hire somebody but then if they can't come in you're still backing that up you're still a bartender you're still a bathroom cleaner you're still a sweeper you know you're doing not just brewing you know right. um i always tell people when people say to me like you know oh what what do you what advice do you give uh, if someone wants to start a brewery and this is a little bit of a joke but it's also kind of like um, if it's still your passion, don't open up a brewery. Um, right. it's for you to want to be a brewery owner. Your passion should also be putting out fires. Like you should right. want to be okay with and happy with that. Every day is some, some new challenge that you wouldn't even think about. Like, oh, the storage room ceiling fell because, you know, the tenants upstairs left the bathroom, uh, flooding. Um, you know, 
they're there's the doors are locked uh because you know it's freezing outside oh you gotta you gotta get there to let the brewer the assistant brewer in um even though you're an hour away you gotta drop everything to go get them in or else no beer is being made so like not to say that you shouldn't try all this but like if you just like brewing beer get a job at a brewery as a brewer if you like doing everything else also sure own a company i uh, i it does help that i did own a company before this everyone's always asked like what's better well i like coming home uh smelling like beer uh not smelling like insulation and copper but um a lot of it is kind of the same like there is just a lot of other things that come up like i would say 10 to 15% of it is brewing the rest of it is dealing with a lot of things right customer reviews Yelp, Google, time, make sure the schedules are up. Make sure that, oh, you were closed today? How come you didn't say that on Google? Oh, call Google. Google, why aren't you updating? Like, there's things that you don't even, like, you're like, what? I got to call Yelp. And then they're asking me about uh, ads and all that stuff. Like, all I wanted to do is brew beer. But no, there's a lot to it, you know? Oh, how come people just don't know about us? Well, because you're not spending enough on Instagram ads. Like, what? You know, like there's a lot more than just the passion that you had for making, you know, your your chocolate brown ale that you made, you know, with your best friend while drinking some whiskey in a garage. Right. You know? Yeah. So I'm sure there was a moment for you that kind of stuck out as a defining moment. Was there a moment for you that kind of sticks out in your mind that you realize like yeah. we're 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 doing well. We're 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 kind of successful now, like, you know. That first moment? Yeah, I was out at a bar and somebody was uh, wearing my t-shirt that <laughs> I didn't know. It's a weird thing to think about, but like right. to be out somewhere that was nowhere near my house, nowhere near the brewery, right. and then seeing somebody wearing lithology and then at a craft beer bar and then asking for it, but you know it's not on. So it's it was kind of great to see like, Oh, they're requesting it. So now the bartenders are like, oh, we should reach out to Lithology. Thought that was great. And another one is like um, winning Long Island Brewery of the Year for the New York State Craft Brewery Award. Gotcha. Talking before about all the things that come up and things you have to deal with, like, you know, updating Google and little things like that. How important is a mental break for you? And what does that look like? A mental break is hugely important. Me and my wife travel a lot. I mean, the only reason why I work is so that I could go my next trip because I guess that is my mental break. Mental breaks are hugely important. You could get wrapped into the, oh my God, this went wrong. Oh my God, this deadline of this beer needs to be out. And um, especially with the last year that we had, I didn't realize how much it was important because I didn't go away. And I was just taking, you know, every day was a new pivot. Every day was a new guideline. Every day uh, we had to lay lay somebody off and like I had to be here by myself because the only way to pay my salary is the the brewery had to stay open. So it was a lot. It was a lot. I guess my men, but I'm going on on a tangent, which I do. I guess it's uh, shut off the damn phone um, and also realize I'm not curing cancer. Okay. I'm making beer. Right. So in the end, like I take my 
I take my job real seriously. I want to get deadlines in, but like in the end, like after the the year and a half that we've had, I realized like it can wait if it means that much stress. It's tough. And there's times that I say this now when I'm talking to you, but you ignore it when you're in the when you're in the heat of it. You know, oh, of course. Like, oh, I got to get this done. Oh, what happened? Oh, the other day, uh, a hose uh, exploded while I was kegging a beer and I was upstairs for a second and 40 gallons of beer are on the floor. 40 gallons of like beer that was contracted to be bought right. in wholesale, ready to go. I was guaranteed to get a check from that. And then I was like, I was so angry at myself all because I was multitasking and going around all this stuff. And then I was like, all right, let's take a breath. All right, well, there's always more beer. Right. Just move on. Like the most important thing is that, you know, it sounds really cheesy to say, but like my family and friends are the most important thing to me. So like that comes first. And it is very easy as a business owner or anybody who takes their job very seriously to take on everything and forget that and not take a second. So I did find that shutting off the phone and putting on like the do not disturb and just being like, I don't need to see social media. I don't need to see like the Google reviews, the untapped reviews. None of that means anything. You know, I just need a, I, I need a break. And, and like when you are away, what's the worst thing case that could happen? Oh, the tasting room, uh, CO2 machine's not working. All right, close the, close the lights, shut the door. Yeah, right. Till next time. Till next time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> is anyone is anyone hurt? No. Is anyone is it is there a fire? No. All right. Shut the door. It's time. You know. I'll I'll go there on Monday and we'll deal with it on Monday. Yeah. It sounds. You know. Some people would say, "Oh, you got you got to get all the money you can," but like, what? You know, is it worth it? Sometimes it's not worth the stress. You're right. Absolutely. And you, you talk about the last uh, year and a half. How did you guys go about dealing with everything with the whole? Uh, shut down and COVID protocols and all that. How did you go about pivoting and making things work for you? Well, so when it first happened, we were all like, all right, let's shut it down. Let's see what the, you know, like our Brewers Association, the New York Brewers Association is phenomenal. They they were updating us every day. So we were able to stay up on the guidelines, what we needed to do, what we can and couldn't do. And then once we got that delivery of uh, the approval to deliver to people's houses, that was another, I guess this is weird. That's another point of like, wow, we're, we are successful because our clientele, our supporters, the locals stepped it up hugely. Right. They were like, all right, lithology's got to stay open. I was, like I said before, had to lay off my staff, very small staff, but I was, I, in order for me to get a check as an owner, I'm the brewer. I'm the, I'm the guy here. So like for me to, work we have to make money so that i could pay myself so i was like and my partner's like you cool with this yeah because they all have other careers that are, that are happening and they have full-time gigs that they were trying to you know manage so i was like yeah I'm, I'm good let's do this and as soon as delivery was given to us the people just kept ordering and i figured out let's keep filling let's not brew let's let's keep all the kegs that we have for now and go through it and can and deliver and slowly but surely we made it through we got our original staff back and you know then with the guidelines we had meetings 
told the staff what they needed to do and told them that they needed to be flexible. Like, and they were great for us. Like, cause it was like every day was a new thing. You know, yeah, every day you were dealing with like, Oh no, you know, people have to come in this way. Oh, they can come in this way. They can't stay. They, it's only to go Oh no, they can't stay, but it's like limited. So right. every day there was a, you know, a group text message going through like, Hey, this is what we have to update. This is what we have to do. And you know, I had to keep the lights on. It's if I didn't, then, you know, people are like, oh, well, you could stay home and try to apply for unemployment. You know how hard it is for an owner to try to get Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I've tried, you know, like I've, I've had, I'd had ups and downs when I owned my electrical company. That's the part of being a small business. You're like, well, somebody told me one time, you're three months away from bankruptcy. That's a tough thing to hear. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. I'm sure. As an owner. Three months away from bankruptcy at all times. So I was like, I can't do that. I have to stay open. Let's do this. So, but it was crazy. My wife even told me, she was like, I'm not sure if you were yourself. You were kind of just numb. You know, yes. I had a, I had a couple of breakdowns, to be honest. Like there was times. I believe it. I'm a very extrovert person. So I like talking to people at the brewery. I like talking about the beers, what we do, what the passion goes into it. How do we figure out that beer name and all that stuff? During the pandemic, you were just coming to pick up. There was no conversation happening. So like, it was weird. Like, even though I saw people, it wasn't a real, like, it wasn't giving me the high that I get from being an extrovert. So I was actually going like reverse and like, didn't know that it was bothering me. So it was tough. So you guys have been open uh, five years in July, right? You had your five year anniversary in July. Yeah, we, so we did our five years of so we were, we've been a company for six. We've been at the tasting room for five years. That's when we took over the space and it okay. became our tasting room. So we decided, we were like, we're just going to, that's what we're going to celebrate. Okay. Because um, before that, we were like, yeah, we were, we were still a company. We were selling wholesale and our kegs were out there. Uh, but it, it became super real when, when, we, when we had to get this tasting room going. Right. I remember, I actually remember when you guys first, uh, you first came out and were like distributing. I, my friend owns a restaurant. I think it was Rockville Center, maybe Bayside. Uh, I forgot which one it was sent to, but it was like a 22. Uh, and it was actually like handwritten in marker. The yeah. name, the name of the beer. <laughs> That's so funny, man. So, yeah, those so long ago, crazy. right? Like, you had to do it, you know? Right. So long ago. Um, so what do you think has been the biggest uh, change in the last five years for you in the industry? Cans. Cans. Yeah. It's a big one. I mean, especially with the pandemic. Right. Cans, cans, right. cans, cans. Everybody wants cans. Um, that's that's a huge change. Crowlers coming in. That seamer coming in, uh, you know, getting rid of the glass growlers and everybody just doing crowlers because it's a little bit more manageable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I would say... I'd say that. So we're trying to get a package line going. Some of our stuff is we we do uh, contract our more flagship beers okay. so that we can have more more cases available because with our system we can only do about thirty cases and we don't have we are working on trying to get a portable canning machine here, uh, but we have to change up our one of our cold rooms to get even colder for them to be able to to come here. Or else we get too much liquid lost from foam, and it would uh, not be worth it. So I can by hand, and it's exhausting, but it is what I got to do, you know, for now. 
This has nothing to do with home brewing. This all has to do with just figuring it out and just just basically owning a brewery. Yeah, you got designers to pay for. You got designers right. to deal with. You got it's stuff you don't. I'm like look at, right now. I'm in my office. I'm looking at all the different things that have nothing to do with <laughs> brewing beer. <laughs> Speaking of beer, what was what was that first beer for you that you had that kind of opened your eyes to the craft beer world? Founders IPA. It was my go-to for a very long time. Right. Yeah. Well, like, my favorite beer to drink is a Guinness to start off the night. Just, you know, I know it's a mainstream beer. Right. But it, that's how I start off my night sometimes, if, I, if it's going to be a long night of drinking. Right. But, like, my go-to, I guess some would say that's not even craft beer anymore, but I like it. And uh, I don't care what anybody has to say. I mean, I love it's a good IP. <laughs> I love founders so, all the all all around, man. The the stuff they yeah. put out is just phenomenal. Good stuff. No, I I, I really like the founders IPA. It's uh, I haven't had one in a while because uh, believe it or not, um, when you when you're around this all the time, you kind of get sick of it for a moment. Of course, there's so, so many um, different beers to try too, and it's just a, oh my god, it's constant. So I'm sure. I I take I take a break every once in a while. I go to my whiskey and sometimes even my like. My wine. Same. Uh, I'm, Same. I, I'm not shy of all things spirits and alcohol. Gotcha. So what would you say is next for your brewery? What does the future look like for Lithology? That's funny. A lot of people ask that question. Um, so the next is um, definitely stepping up our canning game. Uh, we got a bunch of labels made uh, so that we can can more of our specialty like IPAs, obviously, because everybody loves IPAs. Yes. Um, so we got to do it. You got to pay bills, right? You, you know, we started off, we're an ales company. Like we specialize in like our red ale, our brown ale, um, our pale ales. Uh, but we also want to specialize in paying our electrical bills. Of course. Yeah. So <laughs> you uh, you decide you got to do some IPAs. So we do have some really good IPAs. Some Our, our New England IPAs have gotten, uh, have gotten a lot better. And uh, we've done a lot more research on like getting them to be more crisp and clean. Um, and we're hazy, if you would like, not clean, but right. we want to step up our can game and, you know, ultimate goal is like to grow out of this space, keep this space as an extra tasting room and, you know, find a bigger operation space so that we can do all of our canning inside our place. And with our New York farm brewing license, we're allowed five satellite tasting rooms. So. You know, the ultimate goal would eventually to grow to five satellite tasting rooms, of, uh, including the original tasting room. Right. We don't want to overdo it all the, you know, and then like spend too much, get too much in debt, and then, you know, close down because we just were like, oh, it's so great. Let's do it. Strike while the iron's hot. I'd rather slow grow it. I'd rather do it the right way. Make sure this tasting room is run the correct way. Let's, and then get into another spot. And just have a tasting room there, uh, where it's uh, showcasing our New York-made uh, beers, and uh, so then this way we could also sell our New York, the New York spirits and wines that we get to sell as well. Right, slow and steady, nice and easy. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, man, trying to do. I know sometimes, you know, your eyes get huge, and we did that. We did that in the beginning. We're like, let's do this, let's do that, get this, get that, and then you realize quickly. When you're not the new kid on the block anymore, right? Things slow down, and you just spent a lot of money, and now you got to pay all that off. We quickly had to pull the reins, and that's what we had to do. So I know you had briefly mentioned before uh, some advice, but if someone came to you asking you for advice on opening their own place, 
their own brewery, uh, what would you tell them? I would say, ask yourself, like I said before, ask yourself if you like to put out fires. Right. Um, what I mean by that is the dealing with a lot of problems every day that have nothing to do with brewing and brewing stuff. Um, if you like that, um, either decide if you want to be a, a partnership or sole owner, just make a game plan, have everything business wise worked out before you start brewing as a company. Everyone should know their place. Everyone should know what would happen if they decide to leave. If someone gets hurt, if someone dies, unfortunately, it's conversations you have to have right. before you even start brewing beer as a company. And it's just it's just something people don't, oh, this is great. I'm going to brew with my friends. It's so great. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's great. Or yeah. sure, you know, it's sure. amazing. You know, and it's great when people are like, I want to come and help. You know, I'll, I'll sweep for free. Yeah. And then what happens if uh, you get burnt by 180 degree acid water? Right. Uh, it's no longer free. I'm paying for... Uh, you know, your medical care and you're now suing me. Right. So like stuff gets real, real quick. So you have to have all those hard conversations before. Uh, one of my friends said like, uh, good contracts make really good friends. Right. Basically. So just had, you got to get it out and then you can move on from there and just have, and have like a, a business plan. Like, what do you want your brewery to stand for? Where, what, you know, what kind of beers you want to do? and go on from there but definitely have the hard conversations before okay so did you happen to have a funny story for us what none of that was funny no no <laughs> um, it was absolutely hilarious <laughs> <laughs> um funny story i guess i don't know if this is a really funny story but like everybody asks us like how do we come up with names and stuff and, so, and some of the stuff is like you know the names of the beers is like hey we, we have a group chat and we're like all right we're you know, this beer's coming out. What do we call it? And everybody g gives in their top three. And then it becomes like we start making fun of each other's dads and moms. And then and then somebody just finally picks up a name. But <laughs> everyone wants to know, like, our first beer ever made. So when we were brewing in the back, we were told an efficiency rating of the brew system. So when we decided to be a brewery, we came up with the LBIPA. So we were like, all right, we're going to brew the LBIPA as our first beer. So based on what we were told the brew system could give out, that's how we brewed it. When it was made and it came out, oh, it didn't taste like an IPA. It tasted like a pale ale. Right. Because the guy had no idea what his real efficiency was. So we're like, well, we got to we gotta sell it. What are we going to do? We're like, well, we're going to knock on an IPA. It's not bitter at all. So let's just call it. And like we were filling keg 21. And it was our first beer sold legally. So we're like... 21 legal age of drinking first beer let's just call it legal legal apa we sent it out we're like we're probably never going to even sell this again it just so happened to be one of the better beers the best beers or most common beer that everybody <laughs> likes on main street so now we had to make the beer that was not supposed to be that, <laughs> that was not supposed to be a pale ale and make it taste the same that people were enjoying but yet now that we know the new efficiency we had to recreate that recipe with not as much hops because it no longer needed that many hops. So we then had to make the mistake on purpose. Gotcha. The right way. That was fun because it brought back like, you know, the home, you know, the experimental times. Right, right. Yeah. That's awesome. So like, that's how the legal APA became. It was a, you know, it was a mistake. 
and now we have the legal APA and the LBIPA. You know, LBIPA and both the legal APA and LBIPA are one of our flagship peers. That's actually awesome. Very cool. So I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five. Five quick questions, beer related. Ready? Yeah. All right. Uh, somebody walks into your tap room. One of the beers you recommend they try? Um, LB's Knees, if it's right now. Uh, if it's all the time, uh, designated hitter. All right. Favorite brewery other than your own? I would, I would have to say uh, Founders. Uh, favorite style of beer? Whew, uh, right now, um, I'm really digging West Coast IPAs. West Coast IPAs. Barrel-aged, Imperial, or both? Neither. Neither? Neither. Neither? I don't like it. I'll, I'll brew it. I have a barrel-aged brown ale, but I just, I have one and I'm done. Yeah. That's what I love about it. <laughs> uh, and you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two-week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? Keg of beer to hold me over, I would have to probably go with our local gold. Local gold. Local gold by Lethalgy's West Coast IPA. We use El Dorado hops. One of my favorite uh, uh, IPAs that we make. Awesome. Well, I hope to try that very soon. I will, uh, I'll be making a trip. It's on tap. Uh, just uh, We tapped it last week. Awesome, man. Manny, that's all I got for you. Amazing. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Daughter Podcast with Manny Cowillo of Lithology Brewing Company in Farmingdale, New York. Thank you, man. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Manny Coelho of Lithology Brewing Company in Farmingdale, New York. Whether you're passing through, you live in the area, just visiting a friend nearby, definitely check them out. Give them a follow on social media while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also, give us a follow on social media, too, for updates and clips from the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.